The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. I was recently on a, a, a show as a guest with Philip Camella, and uh, he asked me why the show or why I titled this show Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. And I've actually just, just next week complete five years with the Voice America on this show, and I actually don't remember. <laughs> I don't know how or why it became the title, except that it's the greatest title I could ever have dreamed of. So it obviously came from somewhere else, which is the uh, – the topic of our show today with Suzanne Giesman, who has an incredibly powerful and wonderful story to tell about her life and how it's uh, dramatically shifted into this place uh, of where she is today. So, Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Great to be here with you. So, perhaps you could uh, begin by, by filling our listeners in on, on your own personal story. Okay, wonderful. Well, today I am an evidential medium, which means that I sit with people one-on-one and I connect with their loved ones who have passed to the other side. And I do so in such a way that I bring through verifiable evidence that they are still with us and still very much a part of our lives here and now by sharing evidence about them. But the reason why this is uh, a bit unexpected for me to be doing this work is that for the first part of my life, I spent a full career as a U.S. Naval officer and retired with the rank of commander, and during that time served at the very highest levels of the military as a commanding officer, as a special assistant to the head of the Navy, and then in my final tour of duty as the aide, the, the, the personal assistant to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who is the head of the entire United States Armed Forces. And so today to be doing this work is quite a shift. It's a huge shift. So how, how, did, it, how did it begin to happen, or how did it happen? Well, I've always been interested in uh, the concept of there being an afterlife, but I never had any reason to find out if it existed. Unfortunately, uh, I was up close and personal at the Pentagon on 9-11. I was actually in the last air in U.S. airspace on that date and flew right over Manhattan after it was attacked and then returned to our office building, the Pentagon, after it was attacked. And so that started me asking the difficult life questions. But a few years later, it was the very unexpected death of my 27-year-old stepdaughter who was pregnant with our first grandchild. And that uh, left me truly seeking answers. Is there truly 
a spirit world, an afterlife. And that was the beginning, Peter. So, so had you already left the Navy when this searching began or were you still involved? Well, I was, I was the aide to the chairman on 9-11 and I did a little bit of spiritual searching of my own, uh, but not really delving into the afterlife. Just the, the basic questions of why are some people in the wrong place at the wrong time, that sort of question. But then after our Susan died, I could no longer not ask the really deep questions such as, do we survive death? Uh, Can we connect with our loved ones if they truly are still around? I had already, I had been retired for five years at that time. Okay. That was 2008. So, So then having asked those questions and wanting to get an understanding, how did that lead you then into your own mediumship? Well, I went in search of a medium myself to see if she could bring through our Susan evidentially. And oh, okay. Goodness, did she do a good job? I got very fortunate because uh, to me, nothing would have convinced me except for hardcore evidence. And that woman really brought it through. Not just wonderful messages about somebody being there who loved me, but real facts about Susan's life that that, that medium couldn't have known. And Peter, I was a published author at that point already. And I was so comforted and healed by that reading that I wrote a book about a wonderful medium named Anne Gaiman that became my Hay House published book, The Priest and the Medium. And from there, I was asked to write another medium's biography. Her name was Janet Nohavik, and I attended her classes on mediumship simply to get to know her so that I could write her story. So imagine my surprise when she pulled me to the front of the class and said, now you're going to do this too. And she put me on the spot and made me tune in to see if there was uh, someone I could uh, detect, a loved one of somebody in the classroom. And I brought through a gentleman with his nickname and how he died and what kind of work he did. And that pretty much blew me away because until that point, I had no idea that I had this ability. So, so how obviously you were put on, as you said, you were put on the spot. You didn't know, you'd never done it before. So, how did that information actually come to you in that moment? How did, how did it come through? Well, I heard it very clearly, and I saw some images in my mind's eye, and I know now for a fact that the reason I was able to hear those very subtle messages and see those images is because the very week after Susan was killed, uh, she was struck by lightning. By the way. Um, I began meditating because something inside me told me, if you want to connect with her yourself, you need to quiet your mind and train your brain to slow down. And with that good military discipline, I meditated daily. (laughs) So so when uh, Janet called me to the front of the class and I closed my eyes and with the belief that she would not put me on the spot if there truly weren't somebody standing there, I just threw caution to the wind and said, all right, what do I sense? And it just blew me away when I heard this man's nickname, which was Twinkle Toes. Uh, (laughs) Very clearly hadn't come from me. And so from there, I just followed that as far as I could and said, how much more can I bring through? And I ended up going to England to study with some of the best evidential mediums in the world at the Arthur Finley College of Psychic Sciences. And it has just blossomed from there. And how many years ago was that? That was in 2009. And uh, just yesterday, I gave my 731st reading. See, the, oh. left, the left brain still keeps track of those things. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. That's, yeah. a, that's a significant number. So, so perhaps just you could help our listeners uh, understand a little bit about how, what sort of state you go into when you have a 
clients sitting with you and, and they're, do you, do you do most of them in person or by telephone or Skype? How, how do you do them? Well, these days, my husband and I are on a six-month speaking tour around the U.S. and Canada, and so most of my readings are by phone. But when I'm at our home in Florida, most of them are in person. But it doesn't make any difference, Peter, because all I'm doing is tuning into consciousness, which exists in a realm where there is no time or space. So uh, those in spirit are everywhere at once. Uh, So... I've studied the science of this because I know it's not just woo-woo. I know it's not just imagination. It's all about energy and vibration and frequency. And so I need to slow my brain down to at least the alpha state, which is just a more relaxed state than we're normally in. Right now, you and I are in beta because we're operating uh, and using our brains in, uh, in this dimension but i go into at least alpha and probably dip into what the slower brain state known as theta but i'm very much aware of what's going on because i interact with my clients at the same time and and when you're getting this information it comes through uh, audibly visually are there other senses involved as well Oh, yes. It's uh, also known as clairsentience. I feel, I physically feel symptoms in my body that identify how the person passed. In fact, the other day I told my client I feel like a human pincushion sometimes. Uh, I'll get a pain that actually makes me yelp out loud, but I'll say this person must have had pancreatic cancer because I just felt a very sharp pain in the area of the pancreas, and they verify that, or I can't catch my breath, and and they verify that the person had lung issues. It's amazing. But I also just have a knowingness of certain things. I just know things about them as if they were me because their consciousness blends so clearly with mine that I feel them. Are there certain smells that come through as well? You know, I, I don't have that one. I don't have that ability. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So, so, but it's a, it's a, but it's a, it's a fully sensual experience. So, your actual physical body is giving you indications of the actual situation of the person involved. Yes, in fact, so much so that one time I, I was gesturing with my hands and my, my left fist curled, but my thumb was standing up and moving around in circles on its own. And I looked at that and I said, all right, I said to the spirit, why are you doing this to me? I had already identified it as my client's sister who passed and she told me she passed around 40. The woman in spirit told me that. So I said, why are you moving my thumb like this? And I couldn't get the answer, but my client said, I know why she's doing that, because she was 40 years old when she passed, and she sucked her thumb till the day she died. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and one of the beautiful things about this work that you do is that many of the inside stories you get, you couldn't possibly make up, which makes oh. total sense to the other person. That's the joy of it. When I get those, I call them my wows. And, and I, that's when I say to my clients, do you get this? They are right here with you. And then the flip side of that is the things that neither one of us can identify. And I tell them, I know this is not coming from me. This is from your loved ones. So go verify this after the reading. And they'll check with another family member and find out that it was something very significant, which tells us that this is not telepathy. I'm not just reading my client's mind or their energy field. Your loved ones are just right there with you. And how do you, you just mentioned it now, so I'll ask you the question, how do you get your own analytical mind? Because obviously you are highly trained in that sense. How do you get your analytical mind out of the way? 
Oh, boy. That's my biggest challenge. And uh, it's number one through practice, doing this over and over. And I start all my readings by saying, I surrender. I surrender. Meaning I surrender the ego side of me, not the prideful side, but the pride, the part that says we need to operate as a human. You know, I surrender that and I expand my consciousness to the greater aspect of myself, which we all have, and that is spirit. And have you actually had any... Uh of victims of 9-11 come through you? I had just one, just one. And that was in a reading where the mother came because her son had been in one of the Twin Towers when it fell. And that was quite an emotional reading. Oh, I can't imagine for you having been involved in your personal prof- uh, pro- professional career and then, and then receiving a message about that event on behalf of a family. I mean, that m- must have been very moving for you as well. It is, but you know, Peter, one thing I I do train myself to do is to turn off my personal involvement in the readings and just be the mouthpiece for these spirits on the other side, these people, to just, if I get too emotional, that gets in the way. There have only been a couple times when I've actually felt like crying for the, because of the strong emotion, but I just have learned to set that aside and just be there for those on the other side, because this is their chance to come back and say, I'm still here. So you have to sort of detach emotionally a little bit from the scenario and just, and as you say, just be the, the connecting person between the, the person in front of you and, and their, their spiritual aspects on the other side. Well, there's a fine line there uh, because I still need very much to keep my heart wide open because that's the bridge. That's the connection point, the, the compassion and the heart. So there's a point of keeping the heart open but keeping my human emotions out of it if that right. makes sense. Totally, yeah. And what about when, when you, you, provide, you, you provide this opportunity for someone and there's a whole bunch of beings on the other side who want to communicate with this person? How do you manage that? I don't have to manage it at all because I have a helper on the other side. Ah. Always with me. I think he's, he's like a gatekeeper. He lines them up. They, I've never had more than I can handle. And it's always exactly who most needs to come through. It's as if they, they figure it out in advance. Well, this person needs to make an apology Let's let them go first, that sort of thing. Wow. So you have your own administrator on the other side. <laughs> That's very useful, isn't it? <laughs> is that typically true for people who do your work? I believe it is. In the old, old school, it's called a control, and they don't really control anything. We, we're always in complete control, but they, they're like a gatekeeper, a helper, yeah. assistant. Yeah. Wow, that's neat. And is it the same uh, energy, the same spirit that does that all the time for you? It, it sure is. And in fact, he, he twitches my lip in a way that I can't do it. I can't demonstrate. <laughs> but when it twitches, it's kind of like, hey, I'm here. You're all right. I've got your back. <laughs> okay. Wow. Brilliant. Suzanne, absolutely fascinating discussion. And we're coming up to our first break now. So we'll take that and we'll return with Suzanne Giesman. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. 
Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality, winning the lottery, waiting for your prince, princess to come, even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for Tools to Being Outside the Box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertongue.com, where you'll find all the information about the work that we're doing, including all of the archived radio shows. And if you are interested uh, to join our live meditation or uh, join our meditations where you get a download MP3 after the meditation, Thursday mornings, 11.30 Pacific, just go to the events page on the website and click there and you can get all the information. This week, because it is Canada's birthday or was Canada's birthday yesterday and it's the U.S.'s birthday on Friday, on Thursday's meditation, we're going to be doing a, a coherent uh, meditation for world peace uh, through the North American continent and the energies of their solar returns this week. And also this Grand Cross that we talked about in April is being re-triggered by the sun sitting right on uh, the U.S. birthday. So it's a really significant and important time to bring balance and harmony to, to our own countries and to the world at large. So that will be the focus of our meditation on Thursday morning. I have with you today Suzanne Giesman, and Suzanne was explaining before the break uh, her transformation from naval commander to evidential medium. And Suzanne, one of the questions I wanted to ask you about today was, was uh, I work with a, a small number, but a significant number of people, uh, parents who've lost their children, either as teenagers or as early 20s, and what, what an absolute tragedy that is for those families. And I'm sure that you have had a number of uh, experiences in your work with that. So uh, tell our listeners a little bit about, about that and your experiences and, and, and how we can uh, in, in some way help to console those parents. Well, Peter, those are the, the readings that I uh, truly enjoy doing the most simply because it gives the most comfort to the clients because it's not enjoyable at all to, to deal with people who have lost a child 
But when that child comes through from the other side with evidence about their lives, that their, their lives are ongoing and that they're still around their parents, the relief, the comfort that I see in my clients is just tremendous. And I know that firsthand, having been in that seat, sitting with the medium and, and realizing, oh, my goodness, they're not gone forever. There really is life beyond this one. But the trouble is that, yes, it changes things for us knowing that they're still with us, but we still can't touch them and talk to them and hear them immediately back. So it changes things on one level, but we still have to put up with the grief. Uh, so from your perspective then, uh, uh, sitting with a medium for Susan and getting that information, you obviously felt that emotional reconnection through, that, through the medium. And now that you do that work yourself, how is it different in terms of receiving the information and offering the information? I think I can empathize completely with my clients and I know that their life is about to change if they have a good reading. It took me about three days to process the reading that I had with the medium because it so shifted my worldview to know that Susan was still with us, to know it beyond doubt. And that's what the evidence does for us. But uh, Peter, you asked, you know, why do these people have to face these tragedies? And it's interesting that just this morning in meditation, I received a message from my group of guides who we call Sanaya. That's S-A-N-A-Y-A. Every morning in meditation, Sanaya gives me a message that I put online and put on Facebook. And the one this morning deals directly with your question, if I could share it with you. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. Okay, so I'm looking at it online now. It says... And and the question has been given, why do some people face more pain than others? And the answer is that these souls are the bravest of the brave. Before stepping into their earthly bodies, they have agreed to face challenges. They do so knowing that overcoming these challenges will help to raise the consciousness of the whole. Not only will their soul advance at a greater pace, but so will the souls of others around them. Yes, it is true that not all those who suffer will awaken and remember the agreement and see the purpose, but those who do become the greatest teachers and the brightest lights. They need not stand before large crowds and teach in a literal sense. There are many ways to be a teacher. Trust us that upon their return home, and that's with a capital H, they are celebrated and appreciated with much gratitude. May these words help those who suffer to love and appreciate their sacrifices at a wholly new level. Oh, thank you. And so what, what are the, 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 I'm talking now specifically about the young people who pass over at, at a young age. What, what, in terms of your understanding and all the readings you've done, why, why does that happen? Why is, it, why is it necessary for that process not for the people left behind there, but for those who pass on at a young age. Why, why does that happen? Uh, in the vast majority of the spirits that I have felt who passed at a young age, they're what we would term older souls or old souls. The, the parents do recognize that there was something unique about that child. They were incredibly wise or compassionate, unique in some bright way. And they leave that shining light behind. It's, it just allows us to know that, that we were in the presence of something wonderful. And we'll never forget those people and our lives are better for it. And so they leave behind a legacy and we know that they continue on. And it helps us to know that the tragedy 
is not that they're gone at a young age because their life continues on. It's a tragedy for us left behind. And so then it becomes what do we do with that experience? Do we use it to bring more love into this world? And, and from your experience of working with people in this state, what, what's the key um, quality or the key, key thing they have to do to, to shift through the, the sadness and the grief to obviously they're never going to fully fully get over that I don't think but to shift from that place of, of grieving and stuckness into a place of moving forward in their lives well Peter grief is a process and it's different for each person so there is no one key but tuning into your heart is certainly the place to get the answers that are particular for each person so I would encourage anyone who needs to work through a challenge to begin sitting in the silence on a regular basis. It's difficult to, to get to that place of peace when you're in the midst of grief, but just making the effort and setting the intention to connect with your highest self uh, will eventually lead you to a, a place of awakening and realization that we are all beautiful souls and we all walk in two worlds at once. And, 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 and I know one of the issues for those people who've lost their children is that they would like to have their own personal direct connection between the veils across the veils what 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 is the barrier or blockage to those individuals having their own personal connection to their own children well unfortunately grief does get in the way because i know that when i was so upset you just can't see beyond the human side the human pain but pain is part of the human experience and love and peace is part of the spirit experience. And so it's, it's rising above the pain, rising above the drama of human existence and stepping into the fullness of ourselves as spirits here and now, looking down on ourselves with compassion and then sitting in that place of expanded consciousness on a regular basis to start to see why we go through these dramas more clearly. And, and from your communication with the other side, what, what are people doing who have passed over, particularly if they're in their, you know, their, the, the, the most powerful, what we would consider the most powerful time of their lives is late teenagers, early 20s, in their 30s. What, what, when they do pass on, what are they actually involved in doing on the other side? Well, Peter, believe it or not, we're all just continuing to grow and to learn to love more, to expand our consciousness. So the soul continues growing and be that through learning more. Many of them tell us that they're helping others. They're helping those who take their own lives to to uh, come to peace with that. They're uh, helping victims who pass over and certainly just continuing to to serve on the other side as well. Have you experienced the actual process of dying and what that process actually is from a consciousness perspective? Well, I can tell you that four times in meditation, I've had an experience that was probably as near to a near-death experience as those who have actually physically died. And I can remember sobbing with the bliss of it and saying, (laughs) why would anyone go back except to serve? And when you can be here and have that kind of attitude, it pretty much changes everything. I can tell you tell you an interesting story again for our listeners to understand that uh, when I started doing this this uh, work myself, when I stepped out of my job as a school principal, I didn't know why, but one of the first things I started doing was helping people make that transition to death and 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 doing 
very powerful meditations, often with their family around the bed when it came to that final few uh, days of their lives. And one of the people that was involved in that was a dear friend of mine who had had the near-death experience. And what we learned over a period of time was he was actually walking alongside the person as they made their transition. But we had to stop doing that because he was feeling that state of bliss so strongly that he didn't want to come back. <laughs> and I said, oh, and I'm not going to lead you there and leave you there. So, <laughs> but, but absolutely ties in with what you just said, that this beautiful, blissful state obviously is a part of that existence. That's true, Peter. But the important thing for people to realize is there's a purpose for all of us being here because we would not continue to breathe if we didn't have a purpose for being here. Uh, It's the life force, spirit, God that breathes us for us. We have to physically take our life in our own hands if we want to make that choice not to be here. So it's up to us to determine why am I still here if I'm so miserable? What is it that I still have to give and how can I still grow? And that, that makes living worthwhile. And so again, that, that shift of, of perception of what this is into how can I serve? How can I be of service to humanity? How can I be service of, to spirit and nature uh, is a key part of our, of our growth. Absolutely. Great. Well, we're coming up to our next break, Suzanne, so we'll take that now and we'll return with Suzanne Giesman. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven, spirit guides, and angels. To learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution, Tune into Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program.
Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank our hosts for this series of shows, Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada, and also the great people at Voice America who create the opportunity for me to bring such wonderful guests to you, the listeners, my regular engineer, Matt, who's with us today, and my producer, Brandy Jackson. Very grateful to Sherry, Brandy, and Matt for, and all the people at Voice America for all the work that they do on our behalf. I have with me today Suzanne Giesman, and I'm going to ask Suzanne now to talk a little bit about evidential mediumship, and, and she's already described what evidential means, but to have some examples of, of uh, experiences that she's had with evidence would be really helpful to the listeners to actually be able to get a, a clearer understanding of what that means, I think, Suzanne, if you could do that for us. I'd love to, Peter, and I want to make clear that I always get the permission of my clients to share details about their loved ones, so I'll just uh, share with you a, a woman who called and said that she just could not get beyond her grief, and I, I uh, gave a reading to her just about two months ago, and then I tuned in and uh, sensed a young man that I felt was her son, and she verified that she'd lost a son, and so I asked him mentally, how, how did you pass? And I sensed right away that he suffered from a mental illness, but I also felt drugs around him. Her, his mother confirmed that. And uh, all of a sudden I said, ooh, he took his own life. And she said, yes, he did. And I said, my gosh, he's showing me he jumped from a bridge. And she said, yes, he did. Now, you can see this is highly evidential because I'm going from ground zero knowing nothing about this woman's family or her son. And we were doing the reading in person in Florida, but I said, there's a New York connection here, New York. She said, yes. And I said, and I'm seeing Brooklyn. She says, yes, do you want me to tell you which bridge? And I said, you don't need to tell me which bridge. He's telling me. He says it was the Verrazano Bridge. And she said, yes, it was. And Peter, this is when I just about come out of my seat because even after over 700 readings, this is the kind of evidence that I pray for, this kind of clarity to know that this young man jumped off the Verrazano Bridge, and, and then he went on to give beautiful messages for his mother that, that, that only she could verify about their life together. Uh, he talked about his brother and about current issues his brother's going through, which I won't go into here, but very, very evidential. And then I asked him, I, to this young man on the other side, I said, show me what work you did. And he made me look out the window where my husband was working at the back of our coach that we're now traveling around the country in. And he said, I did what he's doing now. And I looked and my husband was stripping some wires at the back of the coach. And I said, your son is telling me that he used to work with wires like electricity, electrician. And she said, that's exactly what he did. He was an electrician. Wow. Uh, do you see how that shows the, the, the real-time current exchange that's going on in a reading he didn't just put the word electrician in my mind he turned my head and said look out there at what your husband is doing that blew me away yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> uh, and then at the end he, he talked about a tattoo and talked about his favorite song and his mother rolled up her sleeve and she said i got this tattoo and it's these are the lyrics from his favorite song and when that woman walked out the door, she was like a different person. And I've heard from her since. And her life has just turned around. The, the, the grief is gone. I've had people in grief counseling that stopped the counseling because they don't need it anymore. They, they found out their loved one is still around. They can talk to them. 
They know that they're being heard. And they get off antidepressants even because the, the depths of their grief came from feeling that they would never see their loved one around. So you can see how the evidence changes lives. Can you give us another one? Oh, another one. Uh, for some reason, I get my share of, of people who have lost sons. And one of the most stunning was this uh, woman. This was a, a phone reading. And I tuned in and again sensed a son. But this was much younger than the previous story I shared you. I told the mother, I sense you lost a little boy around nine years old. And she confirmed that. I said, I'm hearing a name with Jay, Jay. And his name was Jojo. And he uh, gave me physical symptoms in my body. He, he um I felt nauseous all of a sudden, and then I couldn't catch my breath, and then I had a pain in my head. I said, Jojo, what are you doing? Are you trying to cover all the bases with all these symptoms? And his mother confirmed that he had uh, gotten nauseous, and uh, and then that spread to his lungs, and it was all from uh, something that burst in his head, so very evidential with the body. But he showed me a little Christmas tree ornament, even though the reading was done in August, and it turns out that the Christmas tree ornament was the last little thing that he made before he died. He spoke about his uncle's birthday. I heard that clear as day. And it turns out that Jojo actually died on his uncle's birthday. And then the, this was the most stunning part, Peter, was then he flashed in my mind's eye a picture of one of those handprints that little kids make usually in kindergarten where they put ink on their hand and make an ink drawing of their hand. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and I said to his mom, I don't know why he's showing me this because usually little five-year-olds do this, but I know your son was around nine. So why is he showing me an ink drawing of, her, of his hand? And she said, Peter, that a nurse in the hospital in the pediatric ICU where he died took his hand and made an ink drawing of his hand on his last day on earth. Oh, and my she, goodness. She has that ink drawing in a frame. So what a beautiful piece of evidence for her son to give mom to say, you can look at that hand all you want, but I'm still here. And I'm feeling that myself right <laughs> deep in the heart that emotional sense of that that moment yeah. and that's what, what another thing i think uh, listeners need to understand is when you're doing these readings it's not just the information that you bring forward which is clearly strongly evidential but there's this incredibly powerful energy that comes with it isn't there that i just felt when you made oh, that story it's amazing, and I think I should take stock and Kleenex sometimes because there's a lot of crying that goes on, but it's a lot of release. Yeah. And, um, and what's wonderful is when the blending of consciousness is so clear that I can just channel their actual words, and I can't tell you how many times my clients will say, oh, that sounds just like him or her, and I say, yeah, because they're saying it. Uh, sometimes the people get a little crude and, they, and I'll say, pardon my language, but they're saying X, Y, Z. And the client laughs and they says, oh, that's definitely uh, my father or my husband. <laughs> now, in our, in our previous discussion, you, you talked about the fact that you now actually have proof. So th this evidence is, that you've discussed today is pretty strong. So what's the difference between evidence and proof? And, and then tell us the, the proof story. Well, uh, Skeptics will, can always tear apart what a, what a medium says, and, and people might find fault with the evidence that I just gave you. I, that's, that's each person's path to come to that place of knowing. But my, my book that's about to come out probably this week or next called Wolf's Message deals with this young man named Mike who went by the nickname Wolf, who actually left behind proof. It's, I will use that word for the first time now, proof that we are souls who walk in 
two worlds at once because Wolf left behind a poem just before he died that described exactly how he would be killed and he was struck by lightning. I don't want to give away the whole story, but he talked about being taken by the light of nature and uh, and then he w- went out and was struck by lightning and in this poem he left behind a drawing that showed exactly where physically he, the location on the earth where he would be struck and what his father and stepmother would do in the wake of his death. He left a drawing of that. It's described very well in the book, but it's, it's jaw dropping. I'm, I'm going to be sharing those photos and the story at uh, my talk in Vancouver when I see you, uh, Peter, but it's, it's stunning. It really, people, they look at this evidence and their jaws drop because it, it causes all of us to shift our worldview and realize there's a lot more going on here than we realize. So he had some sort of precognitive awareness that he was going to die then? He, he had it near constantly. He was very much a, a, a soul who was tuned into both worlds. So he was already in, in some ways in connection with the other world. So, so the, the, was there no fear associated with that for him? None whatsoever. He was wow. sitting in a cafe talking with friends and he got up and said, I have to go now. They remember him saying that. And he walked off and went to the spot where the storm came up out of nowhere. And one, one bolt of lightning was all that storm contained. And it took him home with a capital H. Wow. So, so in terms of your experience and your awareness, how, how, how do you interpret that? That, that oh, I unreal. know for a fact. It just it proves what I have been saying in my presentations and workshops all along, that the soul, your soul, everybody who's listening is a soul now that is walking in both worlds, the physical and the non-physical. But we become so focused on this physical world that we don't realize we are an expanded being having an experience as a spirit right now. And this young man, Wolf, knew that and tuned into that. I tell people right now, the soul knows, and many people share stories with me of how the loved one who passed left behind some little sign that perhaps not at a physical level, but in some way they knew it was time to go home. And so do you have ongoing communication with Wolf? Oh, I do, and that's what the the Wolf's message is all about, how he came back with a lesson for all of us about how to find peace and balance and freedom from the ego. He continues to communicate with me. He, I gave a reading to his father and stepmother, and I, uh, he came to me unexpectedly even before the reading with off-the-charts evidence, which I go into in the book to help people understand that this is real. There is a greater reality, and we're all part of that right now. Well, let's just spend a moment talking about freedom from the ego, because that's a pretty important thing that we all wrestle with. So, so what's, what's the message there? Well, this is what Wolf came back to share with us. It's realizing who we are, and that is spirits temporarily having a human experience, that we are both, and then trying to find the balance, not just being in the head, but getting in the heart as well. So finding that, uh, coming into alignment with our true self and balancing the head, the logical side with the heart, the intuitive side. And then when you realize who you are, rising above this duality, this physical world, as we were talking about earlier, rising above the drama when it gets too much and simply observing our human side going about our daily lives through the drama and realizing we can make higher choices from our highest self. And when we, when we come back for the final section, I do want to talk, you, talk to you about 
the role that, that nature plays because in Wolf's case, obviously, uh, nature took him in, in the most natural way that, that that can happen, obviously, in a very specific way that he knew was going to happen. But obviously, there is a significant role that Mother Earth herself plays in, in, in our lives on a daily basis. And Peter, very interesting that my stepdaughter was also taken by being struck by lightning. And that, that irony has not been lost on me. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, uh, and, and I, when you say that, I'm reminded of uh, Danian Brinkley. I'm not sure if you know Danian Brinkley, but, but he was the person who basically is the longest living near-death survivor, having been struck by lightning in an incredible story, uh, his personal story. Yes, yeah. Okay, well, we'll take the final break now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with you today Suzanne Giesman. And Suzanne, I'd love to give you the opportunity to Tell our listeners how they can connect with you, how they can get readings, how they can get hold of the what this book that sounds really, really fascinating about to come out and the future events that you have coming up. Well, thanks, Peter. The, the easiest way for people who, who uh, have trouble spelling my name is to go to my website, uh, which is loveatthecenter.com. You can get there by suzannegeesman.com, but it's much easier to just spell out loveatthecenter.com. And from there, there are links to my Facebook page, which is also Suzanne Giesman. And then I have a Twitter account. And my daily messages, uh, such as the one I read this morning, are all posted on uh, 
Facebook and Twitter and on the special uh, Sanaya Says page, which are all accessible through the website. Uh, Wolf's Message, the book that's coming out this month, is uh, going to be announced on the website. There will be a link from there, as are my other 10 books. Uh, If people are interested more about this transition we've talked about and this work that I do, I would recommend they start with my story, which is the book called Messages of Hope, that uh, continues to bring lots of comfort to people who have lost loved ones because it, it talks about how all of us have the ability to tune into our loved ones and gives lots of evidence. And you're on the road at the moment, so how is that going for you? Oh, it's wonderful. We have about 18 stops this summer around the U.S. and Canada, just enjoying sharing the messages. I don't do live gallery readings like some mediums. I share the evidence in, in workshops that, that help people to uh, understand more what these, uh, the greater reality is all about. So our next stops would be Seattle coming up uh, in uh, what night is that? Uh, Seattle is at the East West Bookstore on July 16th, and then I'm in Vancouver at Unity of Vancouver on July 20th. But all of these events are listed on the calendar page on my website at loveatthecenter.com. Super, thank you. And and just before the break, you talked about the Wolf's message about this uh, walking between the worlds. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yes, Peter, it, it's absolutely correct that we, we are both spirit and human being at the same time, all of us. And the way this was driven home most clearly to me uh, after Wolf's message came through to me is when a woman contacted me through my website and told me that a friend of hers was in a coma, had been in the coma for three weeks, and she was wondering if I could tune into her spirit and find out what her wishes are. And I knew by that she, she wanted to know if, if the friends and family should disconnect her from the equipment. And, boy, Peter, I didn't want to touch that one with a 10-foot pole because uh, what if I misheard? What if I was incorrect? Even though I knew I could contact the spirit of somebody in a coma. And then I realized, wait, what if I get evidence from this woman in a coma? Then I could trust what she's telling me. So I went into my study where I give readings and I tuned in and I realized I knew nothing about this woman. All I had was the first name of her friend, so we'll call her Mary. So I got into that meditative state, and I said, friend of Mary who's in a coma, I would like to connect with your spirit and hear your wishes. Can you give me evidence about you so that I know I'm connecting with you? And Peter, I felt her step into my my field so clearly. I was able to describe what her personality was like, her education level, what kind of things she does in this life. She told me to talk about the red hair around her in the hospital room and about the people standing around her in a circle and one person singing to her every day. She told me to talk about the braids. And then she showed me a pair of toe socks. You know those striped socks with the funny toes? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I typed all this up and I sent it to the woman who inquired and she did confirm that uh, the very first thing I heard was that the woman's coma was from a clot, not trauma. So she confirmed absolutely it was from a clot. She confirmed the kinds of things I sensed about her personality. She confirmed that there was a picture on the wall over her hospital bed with her in a wig that had red hair in it. She confirmed that the person in a coma didn't ever wear her hair in braids except that week a nurse had braided her hair so she'd feel pretty. And then the toe socks, this one shows the intelligence of the soul because of those people who were indeed standing around her in a circle and one of them indeed singing to her every day, 
there was one person who was very skeptical of mediumship and tried to tell Mary not to contact me. And do you know that the woman in the coma last Christmas gave that man a pair of toe socks? (laughs) (laughs) It was beautiful. And the most beautiful thing, Peter, was she did pass along her wishes. But about six days later, I was sitting in meditation, hadn't thought of her since that event, and all of a sudden, I felt her step into the room, her spirit, and she said to me, it's beautiful here. I'm so happy. Tell everyone not to be upset, and tell them to put my prayer chaplain's sash on the platform this morning at church. Well, I typed this up, emailed those, that message along, and heard back that she was a prayer chaplain and had passed at midnight six hours before she came to me. Wow. So you see, those on the other side realize when they found somebody they can get through to, and that's why many of the people listening today will have had their own personal experiences and won't know what to make of them. And I tell everybody, honor those senses that you get because those are visits. Honor them because those who can get through to you will make every effort to do so. So Suzanne, we've only got a few minutes left, so I'd love to hear uh, a little bit about the bigger picture rather than the individual uh, situation you've been involved in, but in terms of the, the world, the consciousness and where that's all shifting and the natural world, Mother Earth, we've only got three minutes left, but could you give us a little encapsulating sense of what you feel is happening, where we're all going? Well, in in the book Wolf's Message, it's why Wolf came back as he has so powerfully to share with all of us that, that we are coming into alignment on a cosmic sense and on a personal sense with our true selves. And so it's up to us to come into alignment, the head and the heart with the greater aspects of ourselves. And as more and more of us do that, we turn up the lights around the planet and raise the consciousness of a whole. And it's just spreading very rapidly, Peter. I think that more and more people are coming to realize there's so much more to this world than just the drama that's all around us. When we open up in our hearts and tune into each other at that level, that's when miracles happen. And it's certainly the case that with, with all the interviews that I do, that people who do travel as you are now around North America, but traveling worldwide, that this awakening is happening everywhere on, on every continent on the planet. People are becoming more aware and more awake. It's beautiful and it gives all of us hope. And that's why I call myself a messenger of hope. And my book is Messages of Hope because that's what leads us to, to go on and keep making the highest choices, hope that there is a greater reason for us being here. And what about our connection to the natural world? Final word on that. Well, we are part of all that is, Peter. And so that's why when we get out in nature and tune in with our true essence, that's when we really feel the connection and open up to who we truly are, love at the very center. And some of these signs and symbols from spirit come through the nature kingdom through birds and different things that happen, don't they? Oh, no doubt about that. I have evidence of that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the butterflies, the birds, the bees, the beautiful pollinators, they make a hummingbirds, they make a tremendous contribution to to the joy that we experience when we tune in. It's lovely how we're all connected. Suzanne, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. You've you've given me so much heart today during the show, and I'm sure lots of uh support 
and and consolation to people who've lost loved ones at all all ages. It's such a challenging time for people, but at the same time, there is so much joy and peace and love involved, and I really appreciate not only your words, but the energy that's flowed through you through the show today. So thank you so very much. Thank you, Peter. If I could just leave people with one thing, it's that the love that we all seek is not outside ourselves, but it's inside. So I ask everybody who's listening to just go out after this show, tell someone I love you, open up your heart and just share it, and it will come back to you a thousandfold. Suzanne, I'm going to go and do that right now. Thank you very much indeed. I'm just going for a run with one of my buddies. I shall tell him. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much, Suzanne, for today. I really appreciate you. And my guest next week uh, is Bruce Davis, and he's written a really interesting book called The Love Letters. He's an expert on St. Francis of Assisi, and he's written a book about the connection between St. Francis and St. Clair and the beautiful, loving, heart-centered relationship they had. But he has included in that story uh, messages to Pope Francis today, naming himself after St. Francis, what St. Francis and St. Clair would want him to know to transform the Catholic Church and the Vatican. So it's a really interesting book. It'll be another great show. I hope you enjoy today's show with Suzanne Giesman. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.